I hate poetry. And I love poetry. This is our comedy poetry podcast where Charlie's going to try and convince me that poetry is cool and that it could potentially help my sex life. Oh, no, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say it would help your sex life. Hi, I'm Charlie Pidcock. And I'm Dinan J. Kershaw. I'm a singer-songwriter from Derby with a degree in English literature. And uh, I have absolutely no qualifications to co-host this podcast whatsoever. I'm a comedy writer, actor and director. This podcast is for people who didn't enjoy poetry much at school, like myself, and even think it sounds a bit shit as an adult. In this podcast series, I'm going to try and make meaning of the poems that Charlie gives me, and uh, also try and become a poet myself, see what it's all about, because uh, I've created a few for him to professionally analyse. Poems are all about perspective and interpretation, and as a listener or a reader, you'll probably take away different meanings from these poems that we look at today. I'm really excited to try and convince Dylan that poetry is not boring or rubbish, but it is actually really fun and really interesting and really enjoyable. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to what sort of weird stuff you come up with, Dylan, as well. <laughs> I feel like the fun bit about poetry is the detective aspect of it, right? It's figuring out what's going on. I like that bit. Yeah, uh, that's what I love about poetry. It's you're given a puzzle. I mean, I love puzzles. That Maybe this is why I love poetry. Maybe. But, you're one of those. Uh, you know, you get, I am. Yeah, I know. You get given a puzzle and you have to sort of figure out the little bits of meaning. So this first poem is by my favourite poet. Uh, he's a guy called Robert Frost who was around at the turn of the century. Sounds like a Game of Thrones character. <laughs> well, interestingly, uh, he did actually write a poem called Fire and Ice, which is a bit like Ice and Fire. Oh, wow. You know? Really? Yeah, um, he did. It was a good poem as well, actually. One of his more famous ones. So check him out. And it's only like six lines. So yeah, really, really short, really easy. I feel like George R. R. Martin took his inspiration from somewhere. I feel like that moment when I found out Harry Potter was like in some sort of Japanese cartoon or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what's quite interesting, actually, you talk about fire and ice and ice and fire. The poem, uh, Fire and Ice, is about uh, how the, how the world ends. So... Uh, it, it, you know, there is some, we're talking about connective tissue and connecting things. There is actually some, <laughs> there is actually a connection potentially if you wanted to see one wow. between Robert Frost and Game of Thrones. Cool. So this is uh, a poem called The Road Not Taken. Um, so it's, it's really famous. Loads of people listening to this will probably have heard this no, I've never at some heard point it. in their lives. You've never <laughs> heard of it. Oh mate. It's yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, I love it. So, um, I'm going to go, we're going to read it and then we're going to see what we think. So, uh, buckle up. The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both and be one traveller. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though, as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, 
two roads diverged in a wood. And I... I took the one less travelled by. And that has made all the difference. Well, should we go uh, line by line and analyse this thing? Because uh, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> two roads diverged in a yellow wood. I like that. It's nice. It's a nice little uh, little bit, isn't it? It's like there's, there's already saying there's a fork in the road kind of thing, right? Mm. I like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And sorry, I could not travel both. Yeah. I feel like he's already apologising. Is this guy like a simp or something? <laughs> he's apologising already. He's like the start of the poem. It's that indecision, isn't it? It's wanting to to do both things and not being able to, I suppose. Who is he apologising to, though? His wife? Well, he's not... He, he's he's not sorry. He's not, he's not sorry. He's not using the word sorry in that sense. All oh, right, okay. He's using the word sorry to mean, like, like feeling sorry for himself or feeling like, if, oh, that's a shame. I can't, can't do both. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. So <laughs> himself, I guess he's apologising to. Fair enough. I thought he's apologising mm-hmm. to the nature, you know. Like, sorry, I can't do both. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and be one traveller. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where this bent in the undergrowth thing comes from. Uh, is it just where the path sort of goes and... I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's where it goes around a corner and he can't see where it goes anymore. Yeah. That's the... Yeah. It's that it's, simple. I thought it was like something... out of sight. ...deep. Um, something I was missing, but good. I'm glad I'm on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you, might, you may find out by the end of this session that, uh, you know, there is more meaning to this poem than just a walk in the woods. Yes. So. It's about White Walkers. It's a sequel. Exactly. White, <laughs> that's it. It's White Walkers. Yep. They don't know which way to go. They don't know where Westeros is. Exactly. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Um, so there were, there were two paths, right? Um, one of them is, a, is just as fair. But one of them has yep. a better claim. I don't know what better claim means. Like a better walking experience. I don't know what this guy's talking about these paths. It could be anything, couldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it could, yeah, and that's literally, that's literally poetry. It could be anything. So that one's better because it's grassy and wants wear. Now, he's just—it looks more natural, so he wants to destroy it. I'm guessing Greta <laughs> Thunberg's not going to like this guy. N- n- uh, well, mm, uh, it depends what you think of farmers and their, how they how they contribute to global warming. I think. Oh, <laughs> this is a much deeper conversation. <laughs> For those who don't know, Robert Frost is a farmer. Um, <laughs> okay, and, sorry. I'm going to say, yeah, so, if you guys didn't know, Robert Frost is Greta Thunberg's father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, no. No, he passed away in the 60s. He was around ages and ages ago. So he, sure. Yeah. Though, as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. So it worn them about the same anyway. I feel like... He's going back on himself. You know he I mean? is. That's exactly what he's doing. Oh, yeah, my God. He's... It feels like a waste of text, mate. If, he, if this guy had a Twitter account, he'd run out of characters like that. You know what <laughs> he I mean? would, I know, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's the point, though. Maybe that's the point, is that, like, the middle two, you know, the middle two stanzas, maybe that he didn't need them. Right. Right? Like, But it's what he's trying to do with it. Sure. I guess. Sure. You know? I get that. Um, you know? You, you could say, like, you know, some of your comedy sketches, like, just leave the jokes in. Just take out all the context and just, just do jokes. Yeah, that'd well, get that's me just stand-up, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Is he talking about the first path at this point? Yes, he is. He's, this guy's a weird 
guy, you know, like you you know how you yeah. sort of leave a few chocolates for the next day. He's like leaving a puff. What if someone else goes down it? It just it makes no sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be man. insane if someone walked on that path and he was like, what, what are you doing, man? I, I left that <laughs> for another day. You think he's mental? Yeah, yeah he would. He's <laughs> like, you put, he's putting it to one side, but yeah, he might not, he might not ever come back. So crazy. <laughs> Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. Yeah, I think that'd be the best for everyone. If, if he didn't come back to these paths, <laughs> it's obviously too mentally straining for him. <laughs> he's just like, what's going on here? Uh, I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. So ignoring the fact that he's going to, he took the less, you know, um, yeah, uh, the less weird one, and yeah. he's going to get cancelled by Greta Thunberg. What, um, <laughs> what, so he's, I thought, right, when I read this, yeah, that the whole point of it is that he took a path that he took the less common one, which is probably yeah. a good thing. It's like some message, but yeah. my issue with my statement is that he's doing it with a sigh. So he, mm-hmm. the, the least common one is, is a bad thing. Well, is it though? Because I think a sigh could be good or bad, right? You can go, you can sigh with pleasure, right? What I love about this poem and what I was saying earlier, Dylan, about being detectives with poetry and yeah. uh, sort of putting meaning out of lots of different places is that this poem is so ambiguous that you can make it say really whatever you want it to say, like in the sense of, is it is it a positive thing? Is he saying, I took the less traveled path and actually like he says, all he says at the end is it, it made all the difference. Right. So that could be good difference or bad difference. So you could say that it's, oh, you know, actually being a farmer, maybe, for example, was the right thing. I actually really love what I do. Yeah. Or you could maybe, if you take it in the context of some of his other poetry that's a bit more um, sad and uh, dour, you could maybe take it to say that maybe he made the wrong choice, you know. And and I think at the end of the day, whilst it's a beautiful description of a wood, yeah. um, this is about philosophy and his, yeah. you know, and about life, isn't it, really? Sure. I feel like it's that scene in Inception when he's tossing the coin and he doesn't know whether mm-hmm. he's in reality or not. I feel like this is very much it, you know what I mean? We don't know if it's mm-hmm. if this person has had a good experience or a bad experience, but we know that it's mm. made all the difference. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think this is the wonderful thing about poetry. Like I, I don't know when you you were at school, maybe the teacher used to. T- I know at my school they were like, oh no, that's wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, same, right? Yeah. And and this poem, what it does is it actually eliminates those barriers, so that opens it up. Yeah, it opens it up, and and that's the amazing thing about meaning and language is that you can pull things from the language that authors use that maybe they hadn't intended a certain meaning, but that you found it in there anyway, and it's escaped capture. <laughs> nice. I like that. Um, I feel like yeah. I feel like this whole poem could be cut though. You know, like yeah. I feel like it could be cut. Keep the first paragraph, and then yeah, you know. Cut it to the last paragraph. I feel like we have the answers then, and that's fine. But you know, I get it. Yeah. It has to go back on itself. I do. You know what? I yeah. quite enjoyed that, Charles. I got to admit, I did like that poem. Awesome. That's good. Called the road not taken. Very glad. Yeah. You can find it. Online, this is a right? road that you wouldn't have taken without me. Exactly. Exactly. That's <laughs> very true. So instead of doing another large one, we're doing two short poems. 
Um, and one of them is actually only two lines. Yeah, I feel like that's not long enough, Charles. I feel like it's like a last-minute homework submission, and they've gone, oh, <laughs> that'll do. Yeah, I, I, I mean... Definitely, there was a lot of uh, when I read some of these poems in when I was doing my undergrad degree. Yeah, it was just really bizarre. I was like, "This is a poem, and like, it's so yeah. small. Like, yeah. what is it? What is it doing?" But actually, um, it's egotistical as well, isn't it? It's like I only need oh, two yeah. lines. You know what I mean? Uh huh. I mean, <laughs> you you are you're actually making some really astute connections there because uh, the first poem we're going to read is by a guy called Ezra Pound. Okay. He was a very famous modernist poet, uh, sort of around the turn of the century, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like nineteen twenties sort of time. Yeah. Um, but he uh, was a Nazi sympathizer. Really? He was, yes. Wow. Sadly. I feel like we have to do that. Context is important. Yeah, we do. Yeah. He was, uh, I mean, don't let this cloud your view of his poem. It's, it's a really good poem. But just to say that uh, in his later years, he did uh, really enjoy uh, talking with Mussolini and people of that ilk. Again, don't let that cloud your judgment of the poem. But uh, don't worry, guys. We'll pull down a statue after <laughs> we've read this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If there's a statue of Ezra Pound. We're coming for it. Um, Ezra Pound was uh, a poet who was involved in the modernist poetry movement. Sure. And they had lots of like little movements in amongst themselves. So okay. at first, he really uh, there was I think it was called uh, Futurism, and it was all about he loved cars and planes and all the new mechanical things and he basically his his thoughts were that um you could make poetry out of anything it doesn't just have to be like trees and paths in the woods and stuff like we've seen with robert frost yeah but that actually um you know he he wrote poems about cars and stuff and like uh, mechanical things and goes in his closet and gets his wife's vibrator (laughs) (laughs) yes well i'm sure he would have i'm sure he would have written one about his wife's vibrator if uh, yeah if i mean this doesn't make it good though isn't it it doesn't like it's like me going do you know what i can make a comedy sketch about anything i can make a film about anything i i mean Mm -hmm. if i made a film about straighteners or curlers i guess the challenge would be can i make it interesting and poetic but exactly make make exactly the point (laughs) Yeah, no, and, you know, you can read a lot of that futurism poetry. And in my opinion, it is all garbage. (laughs) All right, okay. um, But, but yeah, but, I mean, it doesn't get... I mean, some of it's good. There's some of it which you're like, hmm, actually, it's... They're sort of admiring the beauty of, of, um, you know, engineering. And it's very male (laughs) poetry. Right. Um, But this one is one of his more beautiful ones, I think. Um, And it's when he was in uh, a phase called imagism. And imagism, Im, in, yes, indeed, jism. <laughs> imagism had uh, it was what it was trying to do was use poetry like paint right. and create an image in your mind that when you read the words, you just saw really starkly a really stark picture. Okay, uh, and and this is this one uh, is called "In a Station of the Metro" by Ezra Pound. I already got the picture. Uh, That's it. And I think it. I, I think it gives you the picture yeah. really clearly. Cool. Um, so here we go. I'll read it. In a Station of the Metro by Ezra Pound. The apparition of these faces in the crowd. Petals on a wet black bow. You don't even need to know where it is, do you, almost? Didn't need to know the mm. geographical location. You no. know. They they're not like the crackhead at Slough, you know what I mean? There's like there's no <laughs> That would be the next line. <laughs> the uncut version. Um Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It it's almost like so vivid, but at the same time 
You know what I mean? You kind of got this mm-hmm. image in your head. What was the purpose yeah. of this, though? I mean, we know this is like a station, at, uh, you know, a train station or a yeah. metro station. What, what, what's the point, almost? It's to try and make words give you a picture in your head. And for me, when I first read this poem, I could see the... So it's, it's p- positing those two images, isn't it? Yeah. Like faces appearing in a crowd and petals on a wet black bough. And suddenly it makes a connection between these two things yeah. that are... One is sort of metropolitan and, mm-hmm. you know, um, very industrial in a city. And the other is potentially in like a Japanese garden somewhere with like these beautiful petals on a bough, right? I, I think that's the... It's making connections and saying these two things are the same because... If you if you sort of squinted at them, yeah, they would sort of look the same. Does that sort of make yeah. sense? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> so that's why I chose it because I, I just thought it would be really it's it's showing what poetry can do that's um, beyond what people normally think about poetry. This is something really unique and enigmatic that um, I think Ezra Pound and lots of other people did. You've as opened well. my mind. You've opened my mind, mate. Awesome. That's what we're all about here on this podcast. So the second one is <laughs> yes. not as short, right? It's a bit longer. It is a bit longer, yes, but not not by much. Okay. Uh, and it's by HD, as she liked to be called, but it's Hilda Doolittle. All right. Okay. And again, she was similar time period, sort of um, early 1920s yeah. to the middle, middle of the century, really. Um, and this is just a modernist poem that she she wrote basically it's called the pool the pool by hd are you alive i touch you you quiver like a sea fish i cover you with my net what are you banded one just to clear up is this a sexy poem is does my mind need to go in the gutter in this or it i mean um, I'm going to be honest with you. I picked this one because it was interesting and because I've never read it before. Um, right, okay. So, so I thought it'd be nice to have one where we're both sort of in unknown territory yeah. to try and figure out what it's about. Like that. And maybe I'll try and find out what it is actually about. <laughs> <laughs> the right answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do like the... I do like the first line, Are You Alive? It's, that's that's mm-hmm. a great start to a poem, right? It's like a Christopher Nolan film if you wrote poems. Yeah, do you it know what is. I mean? Mm-hmm. There's already suspense. There's already like, oh, are they dead? Are they alive? Mm-hmm. Who's who's she talking to? Exactly. And she's it's even more suspicious that I touch you mm-hmm. just to make sure you're alive. Maybe you quiver like a sea fish. I don't really get this bit compared to a land mm. fish. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It. It. She's she's put words in that don't need to be there. Oh. Okay. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> the sea is a unknown territory where they are. That's why they have to. I don't know. Mm. You quiver like a sea fish. Yeah, maybe it's she doesn't come across fish often. It is very strange. It's called the pool. So when we think of pools, I think now we think of swimming pools, swimming pools, right? But but back then a pool could be any sort of pool of water. There were swimming pools, of course, as well. But um, yeah, I cover you with my net. See, that's the bit I thought was a bit sexual. Um, yeah, you know, okay. Fifty Shades of Pool. You don't think I touch you, you quiver like a sea fish is sexual? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> but I think the net just sort of brings it together, you know? There's, okay. There starts to be instruments involved, if you know what I mean. Yeah, okay. I can definitely, I can definitely see it as a sexual part. In fact, you know, again, another reason why I chose it, I thought you might get some, some yeah. good comedy from it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, 
I, you know, I, it's, it, you can definitely see the sexual things of like, you know, sexual ecstasy and yeah. things like that in there. Yeah. Um, with actually sort of gross imagery like a sea fish yeah like a fish isn't you know if you brought a fish to the bedroom your your significant <laughs> other would not be very happy i don't think um it's, it's true though right yeah you know and and like i said i and there's very much this sense of uh domination in this poem yes. so like uh, you know she the speaker is is in control you know uh, this other person appears to be incapacitated in some way. They're not moving, apparently. So, or, or they're quivering like a sea fish. Yes. Also, I cover you my net. Obviously, it's about fish. So fishnets. Fishnet is sexual thing, yeah. right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, exactly. Like, but uh, how you could even say like, like if she's trying to use, she's trying to describe things differently to what they are, like net. Yes. yes. You could say like a veil, like a, you know, like a veil is a type of net. Sure, sure. I'm not saying that's the right answer. It's just the first thing my head jumped to. So this was written um, by a woman. It was, and yes. it's quite dominant. Uh huh. Maybe that's maybe that's some sort of early female dominance. Some guys are into that. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Guys have been into that for a long time. Yeah, yeah, probably, actually. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing new. But, like, you know, as a, as a public sort of... Not public. As a, as a written thing, it's just quite interesting yes. to see, isn't it? Mm, it is, yeah. And um, maybe her aim was to try and get something that was a bit sordid and a bit sort of salacious out there um, in, a, in a way that is a bit strange and odd and it's sort of covering the purpose of it perhaps i don't know is this poetry porn charlie is this what poetry porn is like one of my lecturers at university said and anything literature is all about suffering death and sex oh wow <laughs> so yeah maybe so he yeah was basically into this. that's why people love literature is <laughs> one reason to love literature dylan is it's full of sex yeah exactly um, well <laughs> literally poetry it was to swoon the ladies, right? Did that work for you with your wife, Charles? Did you use poetry to get in there, son? You know what? I wrote a song for my wife yeah. when I proposed for her. That's poetry. Uh, pr- proposed for her? Proposed to her. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Could I please propose for you? Um, but actually, at our wedding, yeah. uh, my wife wrote some poetry that was read at the front uh, while we were signing the registry. Um, That's cute. In the church. And uh, yeah, she's a she's a wonderful poet, my wife. Um, and one of the reasons I think why we get on is because we both love poetry. So she so. swayed you with poetry. We both loved poetry. But yeah, she she. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. She romanced me with poetry. It, it made me cry. That's like, I love. I love it. That's cute. That's really cute. We have it in our hung up in our bedroom. Nice. So. Those were fun little poems. I feel like we got they a lot were. out of that, you know. I think so. I loved it. That was so fun. Now is the time that I'm going to show you my poem that I've written this week. Um, okay. And you're going to overanalyze it. I mean, I'm not a poet, obviously. That's mm-hmm. why I'm in this podcast. Uh, but I do feel like I do have a you know arty side, and I feel like maybe there's something there that even I don't know that I've written. But yeah, we'll see. Okay. So this poem is called Karen. Okay. Um, by me, obviously. You started by talking to the manager, making your family members frown. Now you're hoarding toilet rolls on a shopping spree in lockdown. With your Karen haircut and attitude, people ridicule you on social media. Lots of sons, daughters and fathers thanking the gods you're not their familia. Sorry, I had to use a Spanish word because nothing else rhymes. That's fine. But I'll say it's a creative decision, you know, like a, oh yeah, yeah. be really arty. <laughs> You've tainted the name Karen. Now there'll be no more children with that name. 
as no other generation will want to live with the shame. You're your own meteor to your own extinction. One day, Karens will only be fiction. Wow. Genius, aren't I? That's cool. Is that from personal experience? No. <laughs> so, as you know, Karens are an internet thing, aren't they? You see so they many are. on the internet. So I thought they deserve a poem about what's going on with the Karen name, you know? Hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. That was, uh, I liked, you got some rhymes in there. You got some, uh, you got some different languages in there as well, I think. <laughs> so that, so yeah. that was good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Cultured. Okay. So you've got two stanzas. Yeah. They're both sort of similar. Lengths. Yeah. Uh, similar lengths. Uh, you've, you've done an A-A-B-B-A-A-B-B a, 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 rhyme scheme. Yeah. Totally. Cool. On purpose. So, so it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I knew that when I started rhyming it, I'd be in trouble because like, so my first rhyme was frown and lockdown. I thought that's really clever and really current. Yeah, it is. And I it's thought, good. wow, okay, now I'm going to have to rhyme this whole thing. And also I was actually going to make it longer, but then I thought, I looked at those two other poems that are two lines and I thought, yes. do you know what, even doing four lines, I'm working overtime here. <laughs> <laughs> you thought, I'll sack that off for yeah. a game of soldiers. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's great that it's short. Yeah. Because Just you're like a Karen's haircut. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> there we go. See? There we go. There's already some meaning there in it. Is. You're, you're your own meteor to your own extinction. I like that. Sort of like a Catch-22 sort of uh, yeah. self-destruction thing. It's great. It's very descriptive. Yeah. Um, Too descriptive? I... Th- uh, I think next time, next poem, I want to challenge you to be more metaphorical. All right. Okay. Yeah. Open it up okay. a bit more. I want, I want to see if you can put things, write about things that aren't the things you're writing about. Right. Okay. Yeah. If that makes and sense. I'll tell you the right answer. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I love it. I think it's very self-explanatory. I think it's, you know, you could send this on Facebook and it would go viral because people love dumping on Karens don't they <laughs> at the moment there was even um, Radio 4 a few months ago had a, a piece where a lady who was called Karen was on the radio <laughs> saying this is not fair people <laughs> named Karen are being named this thing and whatever and victimised um, it was quite fun. Yeah. Well, you know, it's people can go a bit mental on the internet, can't they? they can, They'll take one thing and it will blow up. Yeah. Oh, they think that because they're on behind a computer that they can say what they want. Yeah. I just want to do a disclaimer myself. So I don't want to get too political or anything. But yes. at this current in this current climate, right? And this is protecting ourselves, Charles. Don't worry, I got this. <laughs> in this current climate, we could. It's, it's okay to joke about the Karens and, you know, the mm-hmm. Karen name. Um, yeah, it's all okay. No one's got an issue. If later down the line this podcast ages and Karen's get us back <laughs> with a with legal issues, or if if you know if if cancel culture permits it or doesn't yeah. permit it for that for that matter, um, this was written at in this particular climate right now, and Bitcoin's at twenty two thousand. There we go. That's just that's just a note <laughs> for the future. You just, you're just future proofing it and yeah. saying the context of this poem is yeah that yeah. So you don't ever have to retract this poem. You don't have to delete this poem Absolutely. and apologize. Yeah, like pre-done. Kevin Hart has pre-done. done like six times. Yeah, yeah exactly. You pre you pre apologize. Yeah, we want to pre apologize. <laughs> we know this is going to offend people. Maybe uh, it might do. We don't know yet. We don't know. Um, please don't delete my tweets. 
Well, I don't have a Twitter, so uh, you can't delete my tweets. <laughs> You're so. bulletproof, Charlie. <laughs> I'm bulletproof. That's how you beat them at your, their own game, Dylan. You don't have a Twitter. It's interesting, like, that you see, it's like her family are disapproving of her, yes. though. So in my in my head, I thought families, uh, uh, families of, like, Karens, who yeah. are the head of families, spawn families <laughs> of Karens. Spawn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This is awful. I, that, that was not the right way to say that. But, um, Lays its eggs. <laughs> yeah, no, right. It makes her sound like some sort of Doctor Who monster. Um, no, you know, but you, you think that, like, they pass that on to their, their children, right? And, right. Uh, and that's often where they've got it from is their own parents. Sure. Of, you know, or you've got to you got to make sure that you get what you paid yeah. for, and you and and like often it's coming from that place, but they've sort of misread the situation. I think a lot of times. I agree. Um, it's interesting that you lump them together with people hoarding toilet roll as well uh, which obviously was a thing that was happening in the pandemic it was in 2020 and 2021 that we're in at the minute if you're listening in ages hence we are recording this in two separate locations on separate computers all covid safe um You've tainted the name Karen. Now there'll be no more children with that name as no other generation will want to live with the shame. Literally, less people are being named Karen. That's a fact. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, they do that like birth name register every year. I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> that that would be happening. See, I think I think it's a bit of fun unless you're a Karen. Well, well, Dylan, I enjoyed that poem. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Um, as I said, your, your homework for next time is to do one that's got more metaphor in it. Great. Um, and that, yeah. I love a challenge. But awesome. Join us next time uh, for more poems and more sort of us trying to figure them out. And also, we're going to have a poet actually come in and present this poem and we're going to judge it. So that's going to be fun. I've never actually met a poet, like a proper poet before. So uh, I mm. kind of don't know what they eat or what they look like. So yeah, can't wait for that. Well, I've been Charlie Pidcock. And I've been Dinner J. Kershaw, not Karen. No, definitely not, Karen. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.